What is the greatest commandment in all the Bible? You see it there on your screen, don't you? Jesus was asked that question on one occasion, and he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Now, if the greatest commandment uh, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, if that's the greatest commandment, the greatest commandment in the Bible, would it not be reasonable to assume that breaking it would be the greatest of all sins. Uh, not only does it say that I'm to love him, it, it defines the degree to which I am to love him. I am to love him with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind. The single greatest priority of my life is to make sure that God is the focus of my affection the focus of my thinking and the one consuming passion of my soul. Uh, so anything less than that is sin and not just some simple insignificant sin. It is the greatest sin of all. If God is not the focus of my affection, the focus of my thinking and the one consuming passion of my soul then something else occupies that place in my life. Something has taken the place of God in my heart. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's what the Lord has told us. And in another place, it adds, with all your strength. Everything you have is to be given to loving God and serving God and honoring the God who loves us. Now, in 1 John, we're in 1 John, we read what is not to be the focus of our heart. So I want you to turn in 1 John to chapter 2. We're going to read verses 15 through 17. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. And John tells us what we're not to love. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Now the Bible clearly tells us who is to be the focus of our affection, the focus of our thinking, and the one consuming passion of our souls. Is that true about you? Or does something else take the place of God in your heart? Now I want you to look at the very last verse of 1 John, chapter 5, verse 21. If you, and I want you to use your Bible today. Hopefully you bring it. And uh, I want you to use it because there's some, a good many verses I'm going to be showing you this morning. Chapter 5, verse 21. In my Bible, it reads, Little children, guard yourselves from idols. But in the New Living Translation, it reads, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. And so we've come to the eighth question. All of these messages 
I began with a question, and the question this morning is, does anything take the place of God in your heart? Now, last week we talked about John's definition of sin. The Bible says everyone who practices sin practices lawlessness. That was in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4. And he said sin is lawlessness. That word lawless and lawlessness is going to be important to us this morning. When, when there is unchecked sin in your life or in my life, it is an expression of of lawless rebellion against the rule of God. The worst kind of lawlessness. The worst kind. We talked about loving God being the greatest of all commandments. Breaking that commandment being the greatest of all sins. I think we can assume that. So the worst kind of lawlessness, sin is lawlessness. The worst kind of lawlessness is to allow some passion, some person are some possession to be exalted to the place of God in your heart. Now, I remind you that the creator God of the universe, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God who is the judge of all men, who sits on the great white throne of heaven, has declared that you and I love him with all and him alone, with all the heart, with all the soul, and with all the mind. Now I want you to think about it just a moment. Who is it or what is it that would compete with God for my heart, my soul, and my mind? Who is it or what is it that would compete with God for my heart, my soul, and my mind? Whatever it is or whoever it is would have to be lawless. For to be placed in such a position is to exist in lawless rebellion against God. So I'm going to ask you some questions today along with the main question that we're asking. How many of you worship idols? Uh, and what I mean by that is do you have a, a carved image in your home that you bow down before and worship? Not usually, not in the Baptist church. Do you, do you belong to some religion, knowingly belong to it, that worships someone or something other than the one true God? Not really, do you? But yet some of you are members of this church or members of some other church, and you also worship idols, idols that are dearer to you than God is dear. Idols to which you sacrifice the Lord's day. You give the Lord's day to that God. Idols to which you sacrifice the Lord's offering. You give the Lord's offering to that God. Idols to which you give your time. Idols that you love more than you love God. And you know this to be true. You love the world and the things in the world. And by doing so, you have joined a religion and a rebellion older than time. It has the focus of your attention. It has the focus of your affection, your thinking, and worshiping it is the one consuming passion of your soul. Now, everyone who loves the world or the things in it breaks the greatest of all commandments, commits 
the greatest of all sins and is guilty of lawlessness of the worst sort. And sin is lawlessness, which we defined last week as anarchy or rebellion against God. Now, the term world in 1 John is uh, pretty important. John uses it 22 times uh, in 1 John. The five chapters of 1 John, he uses the term world 22 times. In the Gospel of John, he uses the word world 75 times. Now, sometimes it, it means the planet itself, the physical world. Sometimes it means the people who populate the planet. Collectively, they're referred to as the world, like in John 3.16, for God so loved the world. But at other times, the word means a system of organized religion against God. And that's what it means in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. Remember, it's not just an organized rebellion. It's an organized religion whose passion is other than God. You have joined that rebellion when you allow anything or anyone to hold the place of God in your heart. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, Paul was talking about some grief that he had in, in some of his fellow believers. And he mentions one by name, a man by the name of Demas. He said, Demas, unfortunately, has forsaken me, having loved this present world. The oldest of all religions and rebellions had taken the place of God in his heart. But John says, do not love the world. To do so is to yield to a highly organized rebellion against God. What does it mean to love the world? It means to love things offered by the world more than I love God. You can love football and sports more than you love God, and many people do. You can love money more than you love God, and many people do. You can love leisure more than you love God. You can love the woods more than you love God. You can love some passion more than you love God. So what is it, or who is it, that generates in me such a passion that it competes with my passion for God. Well, that rebellion has a leader. When you allow anything or anyone to take the place of God in your heart, number one, you follow a different leader. Now, the Bible makes this perfectly clear. It's very important. Throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus referred to the devil or Satan as the prince of this world. He's not the prince of the planet. Uh, he's not the prince of all the people on the planet, but he is the prince or the leader of a system of organized rebellion against God. The devil is. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. The whole world is under the control of the evil one. Now, it doesn't mean everyone in it is under the control of the evil one. He's not talking about the planet. He's not talking about all the people on the planet. He's talking about the organized system, this rebellion against God. That organized system is under the control 
of the evil one. He's the leader of all rebellion against God. He's the author of all sin. Paul calls him in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, the God of this world who has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. So when you and I yield up the focus of our affection, our thinking, the, the, the consuming passion of our soul to anything or anyone other than God, you have yielded your worship to the devil who is the God of this world, a system of organized rebellion against God, and he has been in rebellion against God before there was time. Sin is lawlessness, and that lawlessness not only has a leader, that lawlessness, uh, that lawless rebellion has a spirit that moves men to join them in that rebellion. So when something holds the place of God in your heart, you are not only following a different leader, you are being led by a different spirit. That's number two. In Ephesians chapter two, verse two, Paul said, the lawless rebellion that we see in the world against God is driven by a spiritual power. He called it in Ephesians 2, 2, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. There's a, the Holy Spirit is at work in the world. The Holy Spirit is at work convicting men of sin, confronting men of sin with sin and calling them to repentance. But there is a different spirit leading men into sin, leading men into rebellion against God. And in Matthew chapter 24, we're remembering now that sin is lawlessness. And Jesus said that because of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul said that the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Just yesterday, I read a prayer request from a pastor in Romania who asked for prayer because of increasing intensity in his personal spiritual battles. He commented that Every time he tries to get closer to the Lord, his spiritual battles increase. You also know this. You know there's a power at work with the aim of drawing you away uh, from your love for God. And in 1 John 2.16, we read earlier, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. So as I said a minute ago, some of you may be members of this church or some other church and you worship idols. You have idols in your heart that are dearer to you than God is dear. To them you sacrifice the Lord's day. To them you sacrifice the Lord's offering. To them you sacrifice your time. You love them more than you love God. Does anything hold the place of God in your heart? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, No one can serve two masters. He will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. While none of us may have statues or idols to which we bow and worship, you may have something that's taken the place of God in your heart. Whatever has first place in your heart also has 
first place in your passion, and it has first priority. In the book of Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel is an interesting book, by the way. It's a book in the Old Testament. For those of you who may never have read the Old Testament, and if you've never read the book of Ezekiel, it would be worth your time to do so. It's, a, it, it's, it's not like the book of Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, because <clears throat> for reasons, at least because the book of Jeremiah was cut up by one of the kings and it had to be put back together. Maybe God wanted it put back together in pieces, but the book of Jeremiah is sort of in pieces. It doesn't run in chronological order, so it's a good book, but it's hard to read. The book of Ezekiel is chronological. You read it, you can follow the storyline very easy. And over in the eighth chapter of the book of Ezekiel, God told Ezekiel, he said, look, I, I want you to do something. He said, there's a, there's a hole over here in the wall, and I want you to look through it. And Ezekiel looked through the wall, and he began to see things that uh, only God could see. And God told Ezekiel, he said, I want you to dig through the wall, and I want you to go into the temple there, and I want you to see what my people are doing. And he did, and he said, this is verse 12. Then he said to me, son of man, this is Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 12. Then he said to me, son of man, do you see what the elders of the house of Israel are committing in the dark? Each man in the room of his carved images. For they say, the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. And later in the 14th chapter, those same people come to Ezekiel for prayer and this is what God said in Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 3. Son of man, he's speaking to Ezekiel. These men have set up idols in their hearts and have put right before their faces the stumbling block of their iniquity. Should I be consulted by them at all? Does anything take the place of God in your heart? If it is the greatest of all sins, it is lawlessness of the worst sort, and God sees it and knows it, and God told the people of Ezekiel's day they were estranged from him because of it, that even though they still worshiped in his temple, that he would not hear their prayers. I'm afraid many of us fall under this judgment from God because something holds the place of God in our hearts. Do not love the world, John said. And he was not talking about the planet. He didn't say trees shouldn't be important to you. He didn't say the environment shouldn't be important to you. That's not what he's talking about. He didn't say that people shouldn't be important to you. John was talking about the organized system of rebellion against God that is driven by another leader and is also driven by a different spirit. Now, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 21, he was instructing the Corinthians about who which had, they had many problems, but he was instructing them on taking the Lord's Supper. And he said, I just need to remind you about this. He said in chapter 10, verse 21, you cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. Who would have thought? You could have said, Paul, certainly all of us know that. You can't drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot, Paul said, partake of the table 
of the Lord and the table of demons. You will remember that when Jesus gathered his disciples around the table for the Last Supper, he sent out the one who had the devil in his heart. If like Judas you want to put your feet under the devil's table, go ahead and do it. God gives you the freedom to do this. But Paul said, know this. You can't put your feet under the Lord's table and under the devil's table at the same time. You'll have to choose. The devil may well let you come here and pretend to serve the Lord. But the Lord will have none of it. Does anything hold the place of God in your heart? Then you join the oldest of all rebellions. It's a rebellion that has a, a leader, the prince of this world, the God of this world. It's a rebellion that has a spirit that leads men to join it, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. And by yielding your allegiance and you to, to, to that one or to that thing, you worship something other than God. And number three, and finally, not only do you follow a different leader, not only are you being led by a different spirit, you belong to a different kingdom one entirely opposed to God's kingdom. In the time of Paul, some were concerned that they might miss the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul said, look, don't worry about it. Not right now. He said, because a day is coming that will alert you that we're getting close to that day. He said in 2 Thessalonians, let no one in any way deceive you, for it, the Lord's coming, will not come unless the apostasy comes first. That's a great falling away. And the man of lawlessness, some versions say the man of sin, sin is lawlessness. The man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as God. Do you not remember that while I was with you, I was telling you these things? And then verse 9, that is the one, this is in chapter, chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians, verse 9, that is the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they may be judged who did not believe the truth, but took pleasure, but took pleasure, but took pleasure in wickedness. John said that every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is 1 John 4, 3. This is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that it is coming and now it is already in the world. The Antichrist is that leader of the last days that the Bible says will lead the world in rebellion against God. He will lead the world in rebellion against God because he's been in rebellion against God from before time began. And John made it clear this rebellion has already started. 1 John 2, verse 18, Even now many antichrists have appeared, and from this we know that it is the last hour. I think you know, without me 
making some kind of huge argument about it. That we live in times more wicked than the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. We live in days more evil than the days of Noah when God destroyed the world. We live in the perilous times that Paul told Timothy. He said in the last days, perilous times will come. If you don't believe there's a growing rebellion against God in our world today, all you have to do is listen to the news. You listen to the opinions of world leaders who have no moral compass. And it becomes clearer and clearer that there's a power at work behind the scenes, a spirit, a power, a leader organizing men in their rebellion against God. And so John said, little children, watch out. Don't let anything take the place of God in your heart. When you and I allow anything to hold the place of God in our hearts, we joined that rebellion. Now, if, it is, if, if the greatest commandment is, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, would it not be reasonable to assume that breaking it would be the greatest sin If I am to love God, but I do not love God, and that's the greatest sin, then the single greatest priority of my life is to make sure that God is the focus of my affection, the focus of my thinking, and the one consuming passion of my soul. Otherwise, I'm following a different leader. I'm being led by a different spirit. And I belong to a different kingdom. Let's pray.